Hello, everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan. You can call me H. And my name is Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. And uh, if I have my calendar correct, this is mm. our Christmas episode. Not because it falls around <laughs> Christmas, but because we like to keep the spirit of Christmas alive in our heart all year round. We're conveniently <laughs> close to Christmas, but no cigar just yet. I have, uh, you know, as we record the show in advance, you might surprise, be unsurprised to find me having a not so Christmassy pitch this week, but rather a Thanksgiving-y type of pitch. But uh, <laughs> I won't, uh, I won't spoil it too much for you. But yeah, holiday season. What are you wishing for for Christmas? Oh well, at this point, I'm wishing for a big turkey dinner, lots of pilgrims, <laughs> lots of Native Americans. I'm, I'm really getting in the spirit of the holiday. <laughs> yeah, happy Native Peoples Day. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, even going further back, right? This is, Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird recording in advance because I feel like I should be in a jolly mood come our Christmas episode, but uh, you'll just have to take my normal baseline level of Instead, we're in the terrible depression of Thanksgiving. Yeah, the food coma that is Thanksgiving (laughs) for sure. All right, well, um, let's go ahead and pitch some video games then. I believe that you're going first today. My pitch for you this week is a unsurprising potentially battle royale-esque pitch where you are set inside of different sorts of department stores on some day that is a huge sales day maybe we call it black friday or maybe we call it cyber Monday. you know whatever is the uh, we can even make up a holiday name for it but it's a super sales the stores are packed and you are dropped into the store, you enter into the store, and you actually have to uh, murder your other, your other shoppers in order to compete to buy the best stuff. Wow, all right. Um, let's go ahead and start the clock. So I guess we've never really made a ruling on uh, whether you have to bring anything original to the pitch or whether you can just turn on the TV and watch what's happening in America and just regurgitate <laughs> it one for one. But we'll let it slide this one time. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that there could be, <laughs> if we take this into a maybe a Hitman-esque direction or a spy party-like direction mm-hmm. where you can kind of disguise yourselves as uh, salespeople or maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe you are not entering in to buy the best stuff, but rather you are trying to get rid of your competitors amongst a fray of innocent civilians who are running around and shopping and you can't actually hurt them. If you hurt them, you lose some sort of points. Have you ever wanted to <laughs> yes. at the grocery store, steal things out of other people's carts? Oh man. You know what? I, I've never actually had that urge, but I have a huge paranoia that someone else is going to do it to me. So, <laughs> so obviously the thought is jangling around in there somewhere. I mean, you, you like supervise your cart. Like it's a, like it's a drink at a bar that you don't want to get spiked or something like that. It's like, what are people going to do? Put a bunch of uh, fruity pebbles in your cart. No, what's the worst that could happen. If you're taking this in this direction, which I think is interesting, you are, instead of trying to kill everybody, you are trying to shop, but you're only allowed to shop out of other people's carriages. Uh huh. (laughs) So you actually have to like, maybe follow around couples and families in the store and like hear the kid being like, Oh, I want to check out the frozen DVD or whatever. And you like, okay, making note of that, I have to buy that later. So if I can locate that family, 
you know, in, in a couple minutes in the store, they'll probably have that in their cart. So you're listening to all these families sort of bicker and complain and haggle about, I think it's, it's ripe for a lot of funny ambient dialogue about consumerism. So if you're out there stealing carts and stuff like that, do you get bonus points or you do, do you get a deduction if you steal a child in the cart? Oh, I wasn't even thinking about stealing the whole cart, but rather doing a almost like state of decay, like rummage through a cart and like try not to get caught and then okay. get one item from it. But I love the idea of, you know, somebody's kid in the cart and like, can you push it through the metal detectors or something? I guess like pushing it through the metal detectors is the equivalent of like banking it or something. It's starting to feel like a family double dare <laughs> kind of mini game. <laughs> What are those old game shows where you would have like 10 minutes in a store and just like anything you could put in your cart, you would get to take home? Yeah, there were, I feel like there were a lot of shows that followed that format, especially on the Nickelodeon network. Yeah. I remember <laughs> uh, one of the shows, like it may have been Wild and Crazy Kids, where you, like the the end game is you get like five minutes in Toys R Us where you have to cap like... They they also gave you like a spending cap, right? Because they didn't, they're like five minutes or $500. But the kids that like took too long getting the super soaker only get a super soaker and that's the end of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be a lot of fun to just like, I mean, there's something appealing about just kind of like pulling your cart up to a shelf and just scooping everything in that shelf into the cart and just amassing the greatest value of stuff. Maybe there's um maybe low value items. Things that cost like a dollar to like bags of candy are super easy to scoop in there. But then the more like the more expensive stuff, the stuff that's really going to like rack up the high scores, the stereos and stuff like that are uh, they take a little bit more finagling to get in there. They're a little bit bigger. And so they have more of a chance of bouncing out of the cart. Wow. If you just did that sort of mini game where people have like you're trying to hit a certain amount of money, right? Uh -huh. So you could, you could, you could have modes where you're trying to hit a certain amount of money. So you're, you go and try and find the right combination of stuff. Say you can't duplicate any item, but you have to get as close to some amount as you can. And that's a mini game. And then another mini game is like you said, you just go around and you fill up your cart. And once your cart is full, you drive it across the finish line. And maybe there's some way to like take things out of your cart in a very quick inventory management like thing. But some people are going to go for like, can I get this TV in the cart? And other people are going to try and do the like, yeah, well, you thought the action was at the TV, but it was really 50 copies of this uh, box set DVD that <laughs> that uh, together is worth more than the TV. But I've got, you know, a cart full of ridiculous shit. Yeah, maybe, you know, these things take up a certain amount of space. And so you're trying to maximize... Yeah time space it's like an inventory management thing like you would get in a resident evil game oh yeah where you're flipping it all around and stuff yeah and it's all very physics-y and so anything that bounces out and touches the ground is like off limits now yeah stack it sort of precariously and it, like you also have to there's a time limit as well so you don't want to like have to push the cart too fast or anything because then you could design all sorts of like shopping mall stores with multiple levels and escalators and those escalators that kind of kind of grab your cart. Um, and so you could optimize like I could spend a bunch of time getting to the top floor, but I know the top floor is going to have like very expensive stuff. It's going to say you can choose the size of your cart, but there would really be no reason to not have the largest cart. Maybe you have to work up to it. Maybe you only get a 
small cart and then you have to steal a bigger cart from one of the shoppers that's already in the in the place oh yeah it, it would also be interesting if you could kind of do the like uh parking lot shopping cart daisy chaining like somehow get two carts like connected <laughs> to each other yeah that'd be pretty good yeah i think this could be a lot of fun let's see other things we can we do about shopping i think if things are on a like a big row of shelves if you're not careful with putting something in your uh, cart, then it could kind of rattle the whole shelf and all sorts of things could fall over. Maybe they fall into your cart. Maybe they just fall into the ground. Maybe the things that fall onto the ground become obstacles that you kind of have to steer around. You know, they, they don't stop being physics objects at that point. And they have the possibility of disrupting the things you've already taken. You know, I think like when I'm thinking about the movement and the mechanics of this game, I remember, was it earlier this year? I think it was when Red Dead was out and happening i was astounded at the horrible inefficiency of shopping by actually looking at things on shelves i was i was the magazine guy all the way in that game but i loved that it was there and i can imagine this being a third person like thing where you're kind of inexactly kind of moving your cursor over things positioning it and trying to as best you can grab these products and maybe the products kind of cling to your hand like an Octodad and and you just have to shake them into the cart or something. So just like I think any time you can make it very feel very panicky to be running around grabbing these items is probably better. I'd like to imagine that whenever you're ordering from the catalog in Red Dead, the, uh, the store owner has to back order everything. And so it's like, you know, I have one of those out on the shelf, but if you really want me to order it from my supplier, I guess I can do that. <laughs> right. Um, or he's annoyingly walking out like he's, he's leaving behind the counter while you're, uh, while you're browsing the catalog and he's just getting it on the shelf. He's like, okay, what is it again? You, this thing, this thing, it's over here. So <laughs> allow me to do this for you. Um, so then, have uh, we walk totally away from combat in this scenario or is there, is, is combat something that's still interesting to us? I mean, there could be a certain level of, uh, vehicular combat. Um, of course, you know, that has the possibility of disrupting the items in your cart as well. But yeah, maybe you can run over people and take some of the stuff that they have. Maybe people are trying to bash into your cart and knock some of the stuff out of it. Or maybe you could take your cart uh, or even just like pick up products and like just throw them. And <laughs> you can throw them to potentially <laughs> hit and stun people. But <laughs> you could also throw like a small... Um, but substantial thing like into a television to just straight up smash the screen. And now somebody has to go back <laughs> to and destroy get a it screen. to like keep it from uh, giving the opponent points. Yeah, so that, yeah you know, exactly. It like worthless at that destroy point. Destroy the value of items in their car. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's stop the clock and let's come up with a name. Oh man. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I almost want to evoke an original Xbox game here. Uh, and go for retail frenzy like fusion frenzy yeah <laughs> but it's not exactly a rhyme i just love the word frenzy being added to it it's kind of nice though i think it uh i think that sounds like a like a good indie game title retail frenzy yeah frenzy. let's go with that let's wrap that one up and let's move on to my pitch uh today's pitch was inspired by a uh, one of the recent games on uh on steam which is called lumberjack's dynasty which is such an evocative name wow i uh i got very curious it seems to just be like a lumberjack simulator type of game but 
I love that they uh, kind of assert that this uh, lumberjack has a dynasty to his name. Um, and it made me think about, like, what would Lumberjack's Dynasty Warriors be like? Yeah. So, how about a game oh. where you play as a fantasy anime lumberjack running into the forest with two chainsaws or any assortment of <laughs> chainsaw-based weaponry? It's spinning, it's spinning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, performing stylish moves to cut down huge swaths of the forest at once. So, maybe it's kind of similar to the last one. A little bit of chaos in there, so let's, uh, let's see where we can take that, and we're starting the clock. This is great, uh, especially if you have like different combo moves and stuff to create like slashes that make sure that trees fall in a certain direction. There can be a little mm-hmm. bit of a puzzly aspect to it where you're marking trees and you, you know, a big part I feel like of, I say a big part, I haven't done the job, but you know, I know the, the direction of which a tree falls is pretty important in that profession and yeah. kind of designing those scenarios. So maybe there's a way to do that in a fast paced action game. Yeah. Of course, I mean, yeah, because the falling trees are very dangerous, there's a risk reward of uh, the size of trees you choose to take down or how dense the areas are that you choose to uh, begin your logging expedition in. Uh, Maybe it's beneficial sometimes to take the less densely uh, tree populated areas. Those those serve less of a threat if you're not if you haven't uh, gotten that good at dodging the, the falling trees yet. What you've actually done is designed a game in the vein of Dynasty Warriors that actually has an excuse to have fog as thick and as as close as it was in some of those early Dynasty Warriors games. (laughs) What else? So lumberjacks are marking trees. Maybe there's also a like, I guess, find your way through the woods or find your way back is not really a thing because theoretically you'd see a path of your destruction. Yeah, of course, the places where you've been before are um are kind of cleared out at this point so Mm. there's less to gain from going back there but you do have to take your logs back to a mill let's say you carry them all on your back and let you could you know potentially carry an infinite load or a very large load but it just uh ends up making you very heavy and move very slowly so you can kind of load up and then uh you know, you're kind of literally lumbering back to the mill. Yeah. <laughs> we should remember that word lumbering when it comes time to name this thing. So I, I like all that. I think one of my, one of the interesting parts about Dynasty Warriors uh, in in a level is that feeling of accomplishing some sub goal and it kind of opens up a new gate or it opens up a new area. So I wonder if there's like, particular densities of trees or there's there's different tree types that have to be cut down with different weapons and you have to sort of power up your first you start with axes and like once you you know get get up there or you start off with like even just a machete or and once you get up there you get the axe and then the axe on, enables you to get through certain other densities of trees so there's kind of a reason to go back maybe into areas near like no i saw some you know white oak back there that now i can cut through yeah that's true You're kind of always upgrading your axes or your chainsaws i'm i'm very curious you know with um with Gears of War sticking a chainsaw onto a gun, like what other types of creative weaponry can we attach chainsaws to? Oh. I was thinking like swinging it around at the end of a chain. The chain, the chain saws. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, oh my God. There's gotta be other stuff. I love a, like a chainsaw crossbow. 
thing maybe and you can actually <laughs> launch a single chainsaw okay. out yeah and maybe with a rope on the end of it so you can pull it back in yeah yeah it's like uh, that laura croft or the batman <laughs> kind yeah. of rope thing oh uh, so you could like zip out to it then oh yeah 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 because theoretically because it's like the chain you you actually are like casting out the chain and then the saw like spins it back on you there's uh those um Bayonetta has chainsaw weapons and if she attaches them to her shoes then she can use them as skates to skate around and then like kick and slash things with her feet that works for me I love if you can do the uh, chainsaw brass knuckles where like essentially the chains are like rotating around your hands and you get some punch action in there (laughs) it gets dangerous (laughs) this guy's a master though yeah he's he's he has a whole dynasty like a dual-sided chainsaw like a Darth Maul chainsaw (laughs) Yeah, and I, and I think it would be cool to if you can execute a high enough like combo count or something on a group of trees that the friction actually causes fire and then that way okay. you can do sort of controlled burns and maybe like certain brush and stuff is so dense that the only way to get through it is really get your combo meter up as high as you can try and sustain it up into reaching that point and then you get the sort of like burn move the burn swipe or something that lets you kind of maybe it's like uh friction and heat that's accumulating within your chainsaw and then you can choose to discharge it and it shoots out like a bit of flame that's kind of it you know depends on how much you've you've charged and saved to that point yeah that's perfect because then you can do the full nfl blitz like uh she's on fire you know (laughs) and uh have your character sort of fully powered up and then you almost get that sonic or mario like star invincibility for a couple seconds how Mm. do you do you do you take damage in this game like how does it push back on you because i know eventually you can even though it can be difficult you can die in a dynasty warriors game (laughs) yeah the the trees are dangerous of course as they're falling but what else could be obviously forest fires maybe you're kind of put into sometimes like rescue scenarios where you have to get to somebody before they get crushed by a avalanche or I don't know, maybe there's different types of scenarios you have to do. Maybe it's all just like a time limit thing. You have like one five minute work day and you got to get out there and cut down as many trees as you can. You could also do stuff where the larger the tree, the more you sort of can get your combo multiplier up. So you might find yourself like trying to tackle one large tree and then sustain the combo by going through a bunch of smaller trees until you can find that next larger tree. And so you almost find yourself like drawing these diagonal lines or these intricate patterns in order to kind of move from thing to thing because the the person, maybe maybe the person ends up chained up or whatever. They're tied to a tree some way, but the lock that's on them. I'm thinking full like Japanese action game, total fantasy here. The lock that's on them is like a 65. So you got to get your combo meter up to 65 okay. in this challenge in order to slice right through that lock. <laughs> yeah. Like the uh, hippies that have tied themselves to the trees and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're stopping the construction equipment. We must, uh, we must conquer this guy land. In this one then. <laughs> There's there's room for kind of continual improvements and new types of weaponry and stuff that you can craft um, using the the wood that you've gathered um, throughout the game that would provide kind of a nice uh, nice way forward. Maybe there's some sort of like a 
randomized unlocks like you would get in an earth defense force where you could get some really you know powerful nice stuff uh just kind of randomly are there interesting wrinkles can we bring to this if we're thinking about the the combo meter to the xp all of that sort of thing i wonder if there's you know if you have levels where you're essentially clearing stuff out for a vehicle that's behind you so you kind of almost design chase levels in that way where they're always trying to move forward oh, and you're yeah. trying not to be flattened by the it's kind the, of like blast core then I, <laughs> yes, my god i haven't had thought about blast core in a while um <laughs> yeah i guess so i because yeah i, I mean uh you'd potentially have dynamite too right all the tools of logging, I'm not that familiar, but I'm sure they have some pretty dangerous stuff. I think doing dynamite or doing those low-level explosives to sort of splinter trees is a good... So if you add tools to the arsenal, I think you can find all those different tools are different ways to extend the combo. Like, I know that the combo meter is going to deplete between my this tree and the next tree, but I can get my combo up strap dynamite to it and then halfway through walking that tree will fire and my combo can be extended i like that we're out of time let's close that one and come up with a name so i mean we went into this with uh lumberjacks dynasty warriors which i still feel is pretty descriptive (laughs) lumberjacks dynasty warriors uh sure (laughs) dynasty lumberjacks is also pretty good i just feel like duck dynasty has kind of ruined the whole dynasty name (laughs) Yeah, I guess if it's in the middle, it's not quite as egregious. Yeah, we 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 both out. agree that Duck Dynasty is the worst Dynasty Warriors game, right? <laughs> Duck Dynasty Warriors, man, that would <laughs> probably be worth exploring at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah, well, there goes my pitch at the end of the show. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to our community now. Uh, let's uh, let's read one that was submitted uh, to our website at playwrightcast.com/pitch. From Robert Lee, who says, Hi, Ryans. I recently finished The Wonderful Outer Wilds after becoming completely obsessed with it. I also noticed while watching trailers from the most recent E3 that there are quite a few games using the time loop mechanic. What about a game that uses that time loop, but every time the game loops back to the beginning, you have to play a different character? Keep up the great work. Ooh, I like that. All right, we're starting the clock. So traditionally, time loops are used in a way with uh, whether you're playing... Majora's Mask or Hitman or whatever uh, as a a way of giving you insight as to like what's going to happen and knowing where to position yourself because you know you you start off with the same kind of basic starting equipment you know what you need to complete the challenge you know where to be you know how to get there yeah I like this uh extra complicating factor of being a different person coming at it from a different perspective every time maybe uh Maybe it's like a like a Doctor Who type thing where every time you loop back, you have to kind of like possess another character who is in the scene, which is also kind of a way of adding, even though I don't typically like them, a uh, a lives system. Because once everybody in that particular <laughs> scene in history that you are looking at is no longer there, then uh, you can't what go a, back anymore. What a pleasant way of saying dead. No longer there. <laughs> well, they're not dead if you're going back to the beginning and then they just you 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 know right stuff that happened later chronologically one of the things i like about the outer wilds is the the idea of some persistence and so maybe maybe there's something to waking up again and realizing you are an important vendor 
or an NPC who gives a detail in a quest. And so what Mm. you're trying to do is spend those person's loops, positioning them so that they will be in a valuable place on the next playthrough. So they, you're trying to like kind of set it up. You're like, I know to, to finish this thing and to stop the loop, I need to get this equipment from this person and have this conversation with that person. But they start off very far apart from each other. So when you realize you're inhabiting them, it lets you kind of set them up to move into a position and figure out how to chain them all together to finish the puzzle. Yeah. Um, I guess the only complicating thing is that like, if, if characters that you had previously played as are taken out of the equation, then like you couldn't really position them, but we can always just kind of excise that, that one portion of it. So what is the, I guess, what is the limiting factor? You know, like what, um, once you kind of observe things, what makes it, I guess, what's the challenge the next time around? I guess in this scenario, any person that I possess must be capable of beating the game, right? Yeah, potentially. Um, Maybe there, yeah, maybe there are some things you kind of have to set in motion. You know, I don't want somebody necessarily stumbling upon the solution the first time through, just because that takes away from engaging with the most interesting aspect of the game. Maybe during the loop sequence, the thing that you can do is transfer your consciousness only into a person who's within your proximity. Okay. You kind of find yourself trying to, essentially trying to make sure that loops end around someone who is going to have a valuable skill for you to kind of get through the next loop. And maybe there are certain things in the loop like Outer Wilds, that that do progress, that do get remembered. Some progress is stamped, but, oh, okay, the person that I need to be to get through this next puzzle is really somebody with this particular type of skill. So I'm going to spend my next run just making sure I locate that person and I'm near them when the end comes or what have you. So I guess the puzzle can't just be like getting somewhere then because, well, yeah, yeah, because then like, dying and resetting as somebody who's already closer to that goal would be kind of like a checkpoint. You you want the uh you want to experience the same space from multiple perspectives. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah, now are you imagining this is sort of interplanetary or is can this be almost like a disco elysium in scope, like a city block or something? Yeah, I was thinking more yeah, like a like groundhog day, you know, where it's just this town and all of these interlocking relationships um you know, I'm I'm interested in, you know, like every character potentially has a story of their own. And as you're coming back as different characters, getting to see things from their perspective, it's kind of like a kind of like a Rashomon type thing, you know, where you're you're understanding things about a character by inhabiting them for a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, I think if you did have that sort of depth of each character having their own different personality traits, maybe that that's what allows you to unlock different aspects of it. Like you have to, it's not that you have to have different abilities as the person you are. It's you need to be someone else with different abilities talking to that same person. And you're kind of finding the magic pairings. So how much, uh, what, what kind of actions are you performing in this game? Hmm. Is this emotionally kind of like social simulator where you're mostly talking to people or are you out there, you know, solving resident evil type puzzles? 
In my mind, I think it could be a little bit of both if you have a mechanic where the social leads to gaining an important insight or a particular item uh, or even convincing the other person to help you and be a companion. Maybe it takes, you know, two people or three people sitting uh, on a switch to to activate something. Mm, okay. If it's Groundhog Day, you can convince Ned Ryerson, right? Just Phil? You'd be pretty easy. Phil Connors, is that you? <laughs> what other value? You know, one of the things when you are inhabiting a video game character, they obviously aren't talking to themselves about themselves. That would be a crazy behavior. So like, <laughs> Right. Why can you really learn about somebody by being in their shoes in a video game? That's a good question. I I think it, to me, it's maybe a little bit more like if I end a loop, let's say it is this transfer to person near you. If I end a loop near somebody's family member, maybe during that next loop when I am that family member, I can talk to them about... Uh, or they approach me even about an argument they were having with me or a secret mm-hmm. about the you know lineage of the family or something like that, where that sort of insight is gained. And when you're the next person, you're like, okay, this is the type of game where I imagine, you know, you might have a notepad uh, sitting by you on the couch as you're kind of jotting everything. Down. Okay, this person's related to this person. And like, maybe you're uncovering a vast conspiracy or something. Yeah. So it's kind of like her story you're kind of watching a pre a presupposed series of events play out, but you have that kind of like 3d control. You can walk through the town as it's all happening and people react to you differently. People interact with you uh, based on, you know, who you know, who you don't know. Yeah. And then when you encounter someone who is seems shady or who is withholding information from you, you know, that like you don't have the ability to convince anyone, right? There's all these games where you like, add to your intelligence and then you can kind of outsmart someone. Well, no, this is now you have to position yourself to become uh, on the next go through someone that's that person trusts. And then you're it's, it's almost feels like a Stephen King novel at that point. Hmm. What is the tie into Stephen King? I'm just thinking about like, it just sounds like a, you know, people being possessed by an entity who is, you know, able to hop between people and gain people's trust. Eventually it would end in like, somebody being murdered or something like that okay. in a Stephen King, but it's, it's, it's a Stephen King like, okay. I feel like we're, yeah, we're getting this pretty well figured out. Um, and of course, you know, just like in Hitman, there are some people who are allowed to go to certain locations and not others. People who oh, have yeah. the badge to get into the workplace, people who, you know, can go into, I mean, even the, the differently gendered restrooms, I don't know if there's clues in there, but you know, all these, uh, all these different locations that, some people are kind of prohibited from visiting. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Like you, the civilian, can't like go behind, you can't get to the kitchen in a diner, right? Mm-hmm. But like if you could become one of the wait staff, then you would have access to that kitchen. So it's like every new person that you possess has almost like key card like gated access to certain places in the game. And so you find yourself spending entire threads like i'm gonna i'm gonna be everybody in this <laughs> restaurant just so i can figure out like where they're all coming from and then like you get to the hardware store and you're like i need to become the manager i need to then the manager can get in contact with the shipping driver and he can get to the other side of town you know all that sort of crazy stuff maybe you can't directly control their movement maybe you can only direct like 
you know, you can just look around as they follow their path. You can talk to people, you can make dialogue choices or things like that. And it's all a little bit more like one step removed. But uh, because oftentimes, you know, there would be events to take place are kind of reliant upon multiple people being in the right place at the right time. But anyways, that's uh, that's all the time we have on that one. Let's close it down and let's come up with a name. All right, this this might be stupid, but uh, how about being humans? Being humans, kind of like human beings, but backwards. (laughs) And it kind of loops, you know, you can, uh, just like in the Stanley parable, you can kind of have those words back to back across the entire bottom of the loading screen. (laughs) Being human, being human, (laughs) beings human. Yeah. Okay. There's something to that. Yeah. I like that. Being human. Right then. That's, uh, that was submitted by... Uh, Robert Lee, who sent that into our uh, website at playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can uh, choose to submit a pitch of your own by going there or by emailing us playwrightcast at gmail.com or tweeting us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And hey, this holiday season, go spend some time at com, listening to great shows like the Canon Rinse podcast with all the end of the year episodes on their way. And of course, the Sausage Factory interviews with game developers and Sound of Play, the video game podcast that sounds really, really good. And to take us out of the show today, Q, do you want to give us a miniature pitch? Sure. This one is ripped directly from the headlines of my life. A job simulator like game where you have to prepare Thanksgiving dinner in a very, very small kitchen. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye.